0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. It is episode, oh my goodness, hold on a second, I completely forgot. Fifteen. Thank you, episode fifteen, because we're professionals here. Episode fifteen of the Drop Kicks and Attractions podcast. I'm, of course, your self-appointed, self-crowned prince of pop culture, Xander Invictus, joined by my close personal friend and core jester, Big Bakht. How are you, sir? Doing great today. You doing okay, too? Uh, Sure. Other than the massive storm we had last night, sure. Yeah, that was a mess. Oh, uh, yeah, we'll put it that way. It was a rough one. Okay, we are on, like I said, episode 15. We are talking about the week of February 22nd, 1993. We have. We are on the road to WrestleMania for WWF. And on WCW side, it is the fallout from Super Brawl. A lot happening with that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to hop right into Monday Night Raw. We are still at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. And we'll be doing that for a little bit yet. They'll start gradually going to different places every so often. But like I said, you—they're basically this is going to be the base till about 96 or 97. Gotcha. We are opening up with Rob Bartlett in the crowd. Yay. Not so much. It's Rob Bartlett. We've, we've already just established that we're not fans of Rob Bartlett's work, at least as a commentator.
1: Yeah, not so much.
0: No. So we go to Vince and Randy are going to go over the card we have tonight. By the way, in case you didn't remember last week, Hulk Hogan's going to be here. I'm sorry. That's too subtle for me. Could you be a little more blatant? In more than one segment for an hour-long show. Wow. Remember, this show was only on for an hour, and I was still 10 years old at the time. I actually remember watching this specific episode on TV because I was excited that Hulk Hogan was going to be on TV because... Once again, back in the day, this kind of started the whole different, this was kind of like the whole, Raw started the whole catalyst of we're doing stuff different, especially with it live every week, this, that, and the other. We've already discussed that you really didn't see uh, your big wrestlers at the time a lot on television, like your Hulk Hogan, Randy Savages, maybe on the other side, your Stings and that sort of thing. You would see him occasionally on TV, but you would have to go to watch, buy pay-per-views or go to house shows to see him.
1: Yeah, I did know Hogan's name at that point in my life, so he was that big.
0: Everybody did. To this day, you tell you tell, and I was just watching an interview about Bobby Heenan about how big Hogan was and still is to this day. Right. About how you know people were You know this to this day. If you tell, if you go to an indie show or any show, and you say Hulk Hogan's going to be there, to this day, it's not whether that you know you like him personally or whatever. If you go to, if you put that Hulk Hogan's going to be on a show. You'll sell out to this day in twenty twenty two. I guarantee you'll sell out, even if he's just doing a meet and greet and charging a hundred bucks for a picture. Wow, you will get a crowd. I don't know how much he costs. How I don't know how much he charges for stuff because he doesn't do appearances. He doesn't go to cons very often. But the best place, to honestly, see him is he has a uh, kind of like a tiki restaurant in the Clearwater, Florida area. Oh, neat. It would be kind of cool to go see. But I mean, I'm just saying, like to this day, if you say Hulk Hogan's gonna be on a show, you're gonna get a crowd. Gotcha. Regardless, uh, they're going to go over the matches we have tonight. And of course, Hulk Hogan, he has two appearances, pre-recorded and then live. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go into our first match of the day. It is Bam Bam Bigelow making his Monday Night Raw debut. We saw him at Royal Rumble. So this is his first televised debut of his on Monday Night Raw since he made his return in the fall. Going up against Scott Taylor, who everybody knows as Scotty Too Hottie.
1: Gotcha. That's why he sounded familiar.
0: You sound familiar, Scott Taylor and Scotty Hottie. He's actually on the... Uh, he just left... He was released earlier in the year or late last year by WWE and their latest, you know, group because he was coaching down in NXT. Ooh, he is uh, still doing independence and still doing really well. He's wrestling, oh gosh, all over the world now. He's England and all over America. Good for him. Great shape. Still doing the stuff. Everybody loves the worm. I I did get to do the worm chant once. Cool. It's a lot of fun. Anyways... At this time, he was still doing enhancement work. Obviously, Bam Bam is doing what he does with his power moves and his size. He's also quite agile. For the most part, this is Bam Bam the whole way. There was a one point where Scott Taylor gets on his shoulders, look like he's going to do some sort of, like, victory roll or some sort of move off the shoulders, and Bigelow just drops him with an electric chair drop. Yeah, that that's what that's called. And the one cool move I saw, I was like, oh, this is cool. He, uh... Bam Bam locks in the double underhook backbreaker, and it looked vicious. Yeah, that looked really nasty. That was a, yikes. Yeah, that was a cool move. Uh, And then quick ending, Bigelow hits two top rope headbutts, and he gets the win. That
1: was three minutes on the nose, and for an enhancement match, that wasn't bad at all.
0: No, it was enjoyable. Like, enhancement matches can be fun to watch. Once again, we, we had this discussion last week, or last episode, about Super Brawl. If you're a good enhancement talent, you'll find work. What? And trust me, this is not the only time you'll see Scott Taylor on TV before he, you know, gets his shot. So we go to a studio interview with Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan, rocking the good old 80s jeans tucked into some cowboy boots look that they had back then. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't know, that was Hulk Hogan sitting there with him. There's a bunch of big pictures of Hulk Hogan behind him. And this was just... What's what's with Vince is like, hey, what's next with Hulkamania? What's the deal? What's going on? And this was incredibly drawn out. What this reminded me of, I don't know if you remember this. You're not the biggest sports fan. Um, when LeBron James left the first time, he left Cleveland the first time, and there was everybody was up in arms. Who, where where's he going? Is he going to the Knicks? Is he going to the Lakers? Is he where's he going? Right. They actually had a special on ESPN, primetime ESPN, was called the Decision.
1: Yeah, I knew he had booked TV time for that. I didn't realize he did it on ESPN. I thought it was just on the local Cleveland stations.
0: No, this was ESPN. I watched it. I was with a bunch of people, and we watched. I was living in New York City at the time. And we watched it, and the whole thing was just drawn out, drawn out, drawn out, drawn out. Gotcha. Until towards the end of the hour, they asked me where he's going. That's where you got the whole famous, I decided to take my talents to South Beach, where he went to go play with the Heat for a few years. Right. This is what this reminded me of. It was just... So, what's the deal? Oh, before I give you my decision, let me talk about blah, 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 blah.
1: Yeah, very, very long. Yeah, drawn out was the word you used. Absolutely.
0: And the only thing Hulk Hogan said at the end of this was, like, he didn't say whether Hulkamania is coming back. He talked about his demandments, you know, say your prayers, take your vitamins, that sort of thing. That was his big thing. Right. He's like, well, I'm going to make my decision live on Raw. So, this segment 100% was not needed. Just talk. Filler, filler Yeah. Like filler to the point you can cut it out. Like we knew he was coming back. We knew he was going to do a live thing. We did not need to have this uh, segment just to have more Hulk Hogan. Yeah. People were going to tune in because they knew Hulk Hogan was going to be there. So you didn't need to give them Hulk Hogan before you gave them Hulk Hogan. Right. So we're going to go into the one of the advertised matches they advertised from last week. Uh, It's a six-man tag team match with the Beverly Brothers and Shawn Michaels, who's the current Intercontinental Champion, versus the Nasty Boys, and who, as of, basically, they've all but said the number one contender of the Intercontinental title, Tatanka. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a six-man tag team match. Tatanka's
1: the last one into the ring, and it turns into a brawl immediately.
0: Yeah, he just runs right in, starts throwing hands. The Nasty Boys start fighting. And I just, I realized it doing this research for at least this episode. I had no idea. I remember watching them and liking them as a kid. I had no idea how much a blast it is to watch the Nasty Boys. Yeah, I enjoyed seeing them in this match. Yeah, like, I liked them as a kid because they're like, yeah, we're nasty and, you know, look at us. We're rough and tumble. And then I still can appreciate them. It's one of those, I, I liked them as a kid and I can appreciate them more as an adult. It's like, they're not scientifically sound. You're, not, you're just going to get, you want two guys you want to brawl with, you want to Fight and throw hands, you call the nasty boys. Gotcha, that's what they did.
1: Again, there's nothing wrong with having to type, having a having a, a role.
0: Yeah, and they did that. They did that role great. Like if you wanted a tag team, you needed a tag team for a brawl. And we saw this because they'll they'll like toward, in a couple years they'll be in WCW for a, a one more big run around the '95 '96 time frame. That if they they had the role, they filled it perfectly. Speaking of which, one of the big spots, and they did a right, right in early. The double pit stop, and that's what it's called, the trip to Pity City. And all it is is they take the other person, the, bat, the their opponent's face, and legitimately rub it right into their armpits.
1: That was a little,
0: that grossed me out a little bit. That was the pit stop. That was the trip to Pity City. It was funny because it, it, I liked it because it fit well into what the Nasty Boys were. Mm-hmm. They were nasty. Eventually, the heels take over early. They're going to isolate knobs for a, a quick minute, trying to put pressure on him. Uh, Tatanka does get the tag early. The somewhat of a hot tag, and Michael Michaels quickly tags out because he wants nothing to do with Tatanka. Uh, there was already a match they had earlier; it was a tag match where he uh, Tatanka did pin Shawn Michaels. So Sagz tags in, and he works on one of the Beverly's shoulders, putting pressure on the shoulder before tagging in Tatanka. And Tatanka gets into an armbar at this point. Uh huh. He gets the armbar. Knob's tags in, and we go into commercial. And uh, we come back, and there's a crazy bump when we come back where Knobs is running around out of the Beverly's, and they backdrop him over the top rope to the floor.
1: Yeah, that, that was a good spot. That looked pretty painful.
0: That looked painful because it looked like he cleared the ring fully with that and almost flat back that uh, backdrop.
1: Yeah, ow.
0: Yeah, so obviously Michaels is in firm control. He's working on Knobs uh, for a while. The Beverlies do a leapfrog attack where they have uh, the opponent's legs on one of their shoulders, and the other one leapfrogs over one Beverly Leapfrogs over the other to land on the other person's yeah, back. Yeah, that
1: was another, that's something, I haven't even, I've never seen something like that before. That That also looked really painful.
0: Where I've seen that, and I know a lot of people that are listening to this, that have watched wrestling within the last 20 years will recognize that. That was one of the big moves Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin did as the world's greatest tag team. That was one of their trademark double team moves. Gotcha. So I recognized it right away. That was one of their big spots. Michaels goes in for a charge and Brian Knobs dodges it. And he hits the ring post, but they're still able to keep him from tagging in. So we get a double down after shoulder block, mm-hmm. and Tatanka gets the hot tag, and the crowd goes ballistic.
1: Yeah, I could tell how loud that was. Like I've started pay- listening more for the crowd noise since you pointed out in Super Bowl what they were doing for Eric Watts.
0: Yeah, which we'll get to that later on today. Later on in the episode, we see yes. more of that, and the crowd goes nuts because Tatanka was very popular at the time. He was one of the more popular good guys at the time. He gets a nice power slam, and he's able to hit his finisher, the Samoan drop. He called it the end of the trail, I believe he called Mm it. I'll have to remember that to look that up. But that was his finishing move. But the Beverly's break it up, and the teams start to brawl. And so, you know, you get that end of the tag team match brawl where everybody's fighting. Sean goes for his teardrop suplex. Remember, he was still using this as a finisher. The sweet chin music wasn't his full-on finisher for a while Mm -hmm. yet. Went for the teardrop suplex, but Tatanka's able to counter it into Sunset Flip. And gets the pin and wins, and he gets another pin over the Intercontinental win. Champion. And the good guys win.
1: And that's a 12-minute, 40-second match. That was a good one.
0: Oh, it was great. I enjoyed it. One of those. Everybody got their stuff in. Everybody did what they were supposed to. It was great. I have no problems with it.
1: Yeah, it did. It it looked unique. Let me say that.
0: And I remember. I forget. They. I. I want to talk about it now only because I don't remember where the commercial break came in. Where they talk about Ico Pro and all that other stuff. They had. Um, the commercial for those LJN action figures, the wrestling figures, and which is kind of funny because the British Bulldog's still in the commercial and we just saw him debut in WCW last episode. Basically, it's one of those was, and it's great if you watch the Matt Cardona and Brian Myers, they do their whole thing about, they have a huge history about these figures. I think it's a good five-hour episode. Oh, wow. Where they go through every single wrestler that was released for this and the ones that were released. It's If you love action figures like they, you know, they're, Major Brothers Wrestling stuff. It's I love their podcast stuff. Gotcha. Anyways, they go through all these figures, and it's basically, they all had one move. Like, you could do a move with them. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, you, you know, you can pull the arm back. He does a clothesline or an elbow, whatever. Yeah. I had one of these. There was I had, I had it every single series they had up until, oh, God. A long time, because they were still doing... They Hulk Hogan had one. I Did Andre have one? I don't think he did. I think he might have had one. But up until the point where they're doing... Jeff Jarrett's and stuff. I think Jeff Jarrett was one that never got. There was a not released set that was supposed to come out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyways, I had one of those. I only had one of those figures ever. And I think I still have in my parents house somewhere. Which one was it? I had the Jim, the Anvil, Nineheart, uh, New Heart Foundation one with the yellow pants. Cool. Yeah, that was just one of those. It's like I had one like every a lot of kids had a bunch of them. I had one, but that's why I played it with all my other action figures and stuff, because, you know, you know, kids were doing the multiverse years before the Marvel ever. did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We would would have GoBots fight Transformers and G.I. Joes fight Transformers and wrestlers would fight the G.I. Joes and I'd have ninjas fighting Cowboys. We were doing multiverses years before Marvel did. (laughs) Then I know you did too. Oh yes, I absolutely did. Anyways, I just, another tangent. If any, you guys know by now, I love a good tangent. Oh yeah. So we go to the next to last match of the episode. It is Crush making his Raw debut against Terry Taylor. You know, I mean, he made his debut, but this is his wrestling debut. He was on the first episode. Right. But this is his in-ring debut on Monday Night Raw. Yes. Wrestling Terry Taylor. And I like it that Terry Taylor goes to kind of... Obviously, Crush has got the huge size advantage. Right. Terry goes to push him. Crush is like, nah, I'm good. Pushes him back, floors him with one shot. Oh,
1: yeah, that was painful.
0: And I had no idea that uh, Crush could dropkick like that. That was a pretty good dropkick for a man that size. It was. really was. Because, you know, guys that size... We're not doing Brian Adams at the time. His name is Brian Adams. Uh, guys his size were not doing drop kicks in 93. Right. Or if they were, they didn't look like that. That was a nice one. And then press slam because, you know, he's a very strong guy. Yes. Very, very apparent. Yeah. Uh, Taylor, I pokes him and Gee teams over the rope to take over. <sighs> Rob Bartlett doing another horrible impression. This time he's talking about Arm Schwarzenegger. Yeah, because about the Hulk Hogan supposedly being on the council, the health and fitness children's health and fitness council from the president. Right. That Arnold was Arnold Schwarzenegger was the person for a while that did head that up. I do remember that as a kid. I don't remember that. Basically, it was the whole the idea was it was the council about trying to get kids to exercise more, eat better, you know, go outside more, that sort of thing. Gotcha. We, we you know, we we're trying to you know be healthy, you know, go out and play some football or run and. You know, ha- have an apple, that sort of thing. They didn't browbeat you, but it was, here, this is going to make you sh- get stronger when you get older. Right. That's basically what it was. And so Bartlett's Arnold was mad because there was talk that Hulk Hogan was going to take over. And it was just like, oh, the less Bartlett, the better.
1: Agreed. Like, he, he's trying, but it's just not working.
0: I don't even think he's trying. I think he thinks he's funny. That's another good way to put it. I don't think he's trying to be funny. I think he thinks these are awesome, and they're not. And you're going to see it even worse next week. Gotcha. And it's, uh I hope you like Elvis. Well, I'm just going to put it that way. Oh, boy. Anyways, so Crush is able to power out of a chin lock, but Taylor gets a jawbreaker and a neckbreaker for two count. And he goes flying as Crush
1: kicks out of that.
0: Oh yeah, he just—I always like that move when it's a smaller guy trying to pin a big guy, and the guy—the big guy just press slams him out of the kickout. He don't kick out; he just presses him from horizontally. Yeah, that was great. Crush is able to fight back with a reverse stomach drop and a nice stiff clothesline. He hits the Tittle World Backbreaker, in a move that you haven't seen yet, but I've told you about it. He he locked in the Cranium Crush for the win. Yeah, that w- where he just squeezes the guy's head like a coconut.
1: Yeah, that looked painful. Even ugh.
0: Yeah, and there would be times where he'd he'd lock it in and while they're sitting down like that, and he would just lift them up off the mat and slam them back down while he's squeezing their head. Yow! Oh, yeah. Kids loved Crush. You could tell that this was a big... He was a big success with the kids. Gotcha. So, yeah, Crush gets the win with the cranium crush.
1: That's a match time at 3 minutes 41. That was fairly dense.
0: Fairly dense. Like I said, Terry Taylor had a, you know, a long career long before this anyways. Talent-wise, Terry Taylor was great, so... You know, you could always, he could always count on him to at least try to, to have somewhat of a decent match. Right. Uh, we're going to replay the Attack on Beefcake next week because Vince is in the ring to do what the other segment did that we didn't need to have. He introduces Hulk Hogan, and the crowd responds accordingly. The crowd is going to go ape every single time Hulk Hogan comes out. And for somebody that has seen Hulk Hogan live once, the crowd will go ape. Gotcha. I have been able to see Hulk Hogan live at Monday Night Raw one time. And I remember this. I was with... Uh, a couple good friends of ours. Mm-hmm. We went to a Monday Night Raw. This was 2006. I actually remember specifically because they came out during one of the commercials to say that Stephanie had had her first child. Oh, neat. I actually remember that happening. This was during when Hulk Hogan was having the feud with Randy Orton and he was going to come out and they're like, coming back from a commercial. Hulk Hogan, we're like, ah, oh, man, boo. Hulk Hogan, he's a jerk. We're not going to... We're going to boo him. We're going to do it. And as soon as Real American hits, we're singing it like we're four-year-old again. We're going, ah, yeah, I swear to you. I believe it. You boo him all you want, but as soon as that music hits, you start cheering for the guy. Oh, yeah. it, it I prove positive it, it does it. Anyways, uh, Hulk Hogan, he comes in and he says, Brutus is okay, no severe damage. They kind of busted his nose up a little bit, but he's fine. And Hulk wants to thank two people, God and surprisingly Jimmy Hart. Yeah, Jimmy
1: Hart had the face turn last week as he tried to stop DiBiase and IRS.
0: Yeah, he was... Hulk Hogan was surprised that Jimmy Hart would do would do that. Hey, thanks, Jimmy Hart. He also announces that he is back in the WWF. The crowd still goes wild for this because he was out doing movies. And one of those movies we discussed in episode two was uh, Mr. Nanny. That was a fun movie. It was a fun movie. Uh, so Brutus comes out. He's draped in the red and yellow because Hulk Hogan's out in the red and yellow. He has... Briefcake has what he likes to call... Titanium, not titanium, Titanium steel plates in his face. Hmm. He also thanks the big man upstairs and Jimmy Hart for doing what he did. So Hulk Hogan says he's going to start taking stuff from Money, Inc. So they announced their new manager, the mouth of the south, Jimmy Hart, who comes out in a red and yellow suit.
1: That is a spectacular suit.
0: And I love this because Jimmy Hart had a suit for every single one of his clients. And it would be funny, like especially on big shows like pay-per-views, if more like... He'd have more than one client wrestling. Jimmy Hart would have a suit for each one of them. Cool. Like, he'd have a nasty voice suit, and then, let's say, Dino Bravo had a wrestle. So he'd come out in a Dino Bravo-inspired suit. It was great. That was when it hit the suits and the megaphone. He always had his megaphone with him. Gotcha. Jimmy Hart just basically waxes poetic all over Hulk Hogan. And they announced their team name. They're going to be known as the Mega Maniacs. And basically, they're, they're calling out. They're going to go after Money, Inc., and rule over WWF because this is going to happen forever. Hulk Hogan's going to be there forever. This is the only Raw he's going to be on until 2002. Yeah, wow. Yeah, Hulk Hogan, you don't see him on again on TV until the NWO invades WWF in like 2002. Well then. Yeah, the whole, oh, I'm coming back, brother. And I was like, yeah, we'll see how long he is because of WrestleMania 9. We'll talk about that fiasco yeah but yeah this is his uh, and i looked it up just to make sure yeah this is his only appearance until 2002 so don't get used to seeing hulk hogan on wwf tv anytime soon Mm -hmm. you'd see you're gonna see some like pre-recorded promos for stuff but he's not live in the crowd for another nine years anyways uh we go to our quote-unquote main event of the night the undertaker versus skinner the gator man uh this is weird because as soon as they go they have their entrances they go to commercial they come back from commercial do the entrances then come back and then go to commercial again uh they come back Skinner clothes lightens Undertaker over the top rope uh he grabs his Gator claw wraps it on his undertaker's neck guess what shows over
1: yeah that really caught me off guard
0: how long was that
1: that was a minute 17
0: and they said oh yeah we'll have the footage next week blah 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 guess what they didn't show it did they, they don't have the footage this week we never. Are we gonna assume that the Undertaker is gonna beat Skinner?
1: Yeah, it's a pretty safe bet.
0: Yeah, we know. We don't know. We never see it again. We we don't know what happens with this match. They never showed it again. They never showed the ending. But they do announce that Bret Hart is actually gonna defend his WWF title live against one of the headliners next week.
1: Yeah, looking forward to that one.
0: Yeah, that'll be that should be good. And uh, that's Raw. Like I said, the first Hulk Hogan segment was not needed because it said absolutely nothing. It did absolutely nothing. Just total filler. Yeah. My favorite match was the Undertaker match. That fragment? No, I'm just joking. I'm just bullshitting you. No, the six man tag was great. My favorite was the six man tag.
1: Yeah, the six man tag was the only thing that really did anything.
0: The other, the, the rest was just enhancement stuff. Yeah, but they, but they still did. they like none of them were bad. None of the matches were bad. Agreed. Save for the last one, which I don't get. That they could have saved that for another. They could have re- re- recorded that and saved that for another episode. I don't know why they did that the way they did that. Yeah, puzzling. Yeah, the Sex Man tag was great. That was my favorite match of the night. So we're going over to WCW Saturday night of February 27th, 1993. We're closing out February. By the way, I counted 13 matches. Yeah, this was a very, very dense episode. 13 matches for a two-hour show. Uh, So we open up Jesse and Jesse Ventura and Tony Schiavone. Open up. They say Flair will be there. They're gonna. They run down the card for some of the bigger matches of the night, and the cameras pan over. They show Flair is actually going through the crowd and walking around ringside. So we'll see what kind of effect Flair has. Like I said, he was just in WWF a few weeks ago. Right. But he's back, and he's gonna be. In, he's actually gonna be in uh, WCW for the duration of their existence. So for got another good eight years. Mm. He's got security with him too as he's going through the crowd. Yeah, he's still got that that entourage with the Garth Brooks microphones that we saw at Super Brawl. Mm-hmm. That's going to be his thing for at least for this week. You're still going to see his entourage. And uh, we're going to go ahead and just jump into the first match because everybody was already in the ring while Flair was walking around. It is the Wrecking Crew who got screwed out of being in Super Brawl versus the Cole Twins. And can we talk about the gorgeous flat top mullets the Cole Twins had?
1: That was that's a very loud hairstyle. Like I had trouble hearing the
0: announcers over that. Plus, they were bright blonde too, so you couldn't hear or see. Yes. So, um. Anyway, obviously the Wrecking Crew is in early control. They're doing what they do, the Smash Mouth fight fighting style. Fury misses an elbow and Cold One tags and Cold Two. I couldn't tell them apart. I
1: I it took me a while to take my notes on this because I was being super careful about who was who.
0: I couldn't tell, so I'm just gonna go. I just call them one Cole tags in the other Cole. Okay. Yeah, this was anyways. The good tag chemistry. Obviously, they're 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 obviously twins, so they got that good rapport. Rapport is twins, good chemistry. Nice double elbow. They had a nice double elbow before the Wrecking Crew takes over, mm-hmm. and uh, Fury hits a huge shoulder block. One of the Coles fights out of a camel clutch, but I kind of like what Fury did. He used the momentum as he's going forward. He's he the the one Cole. Fights out of it, throws Fury forward, and he uses that momentum just to clock the other Cole to kind of, like, keep make sure the tags don't happen. Yeah. Um, Rage comes in with a big choke slam and locks in a single-leg Boston Crab. Mm-hmm. The, the uh, Wrecking Crew's in freedom control. We get a nice power slam from Fury. Rage gets a nasty-looking clothesline. Rage also goes for a flying nothing. Gets booted in the face. Cole gets the hot tag. Right. So we're getting towards the end of the match. Everything's breaking down. The Wrecking Crew goes for the Wrecking Ball... But one of the Coles blocks it, they lock in the backslide for the win and a massive upset.
1: Massive upset. That's eight minutes, four seconds.
0: And there was always a funny there was a funny thing at the end where Jesse's interviewing the Cole Twins, and he can't tell them what part either. And they're like, no, I'm this one. No, uh-uh. well, I'm this one. It was kind of funny. I f- I found it sorta of humorous. Yeah, playing twins like that, it it it'll it'll always get at least a chuckle out of me. And uh so we go into our next match. Favorite of the you know, we're both fans of this guy on the show. Two cold Scorpio, yes, versus Shanghai Pierce, who does have Tex Lassinger ringside. Mm-hmm. You're going to get speed versus power. This is what you're going to get. Yeah, that's exactly
1: what I was expecting as as it was announced.
0: Yeah, the quick Smash Mouth versus the the Smash Mouth versus the quick the quick. Right. Pierce does get a few blows in at the at the start, but Scorpio tags uh, drop kicks him over the top rope. Bummer. No, it, it was his momentum, so it doesn't get a DQ. We're still confused over that.
1: Pierce is taking his time on the outside. Talk to Tex for a little bit.
0: So Scorpion answers and gets both of them with a double clothesline. Yeah, that was a good one. Oh, uh, Scorpion goes for a drop down, but Pierce just drops him with a, drops an elbow on him and hits a backbreaker for a two count. Mm-hmm. And while the the uh, ref is distracted, Slazinger starts choking, choking uh, two cold Scorpio with the bull rope. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, right after that, Scorpio gets a vertical suplex, and that's a Scorpio gets hit by a vertical suplex. That's a two count.
0: Uh huh. And Scorpio's able, he's able to fight back, he gets more kicks, he gets the corner splash, and he's trying to get that momentum to get going again. And Pierce is able to accidentally hit both Scorpio and the ref. And this was kind of a cool spot. So what they were looking to do, well, the ref was down. Pierce and are both grab the bull rope. They're gonna look like they're gonna close line Scorpio with it. So what he does is while they're coming towards him, he jumps and splashes himself across the rope. And when it does, and it causes the momentum causes the two men to run into each other and just collide. I thought that was a cool spot. I agree. I, I like that. It looked painful. It looked painful. It did its job. And so Scorpion, Scorpio, excuse me, comes off, hits his tumble reed, leg drop, and he gets the win.
1: Four minutes, 55 seconds. Pretty dense
0: again, but it, it worked. Yeah, I liked it. I had no once again, no problems with this match. No, no problems. Right into the next match. We're in match three already. Uh we get the good old Johnny B band. Versus Mustafa Saeed, who was in, uh, who was on a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. and we see that Johnny B. Bad's got his elbow taped up, and mentioned that Max Payne was injured his right elbow using that the painkiller. So Johnny's working with that injured elbow, mm-hmm. and it looked like Bad. The thing I noticed that Bad looked like he was going for some sort of slam on Saeed, but it didn't look like there might have been some sort of miscommunication or something because it didn't look like he got it all.
1: I saw him catch Mustafa at some point, but couldn't hold him probably because of the elbow damage.
0: It, they could have been working off that too, sure. Uh, Bad's able to get a couple shots in, but Saeed comes back with a couple slams. Saeed goes, to, goes for another nothing. Bad gets a boot up, gets the 2D fruity left hook in, and wins.
1: Yeah, 2 minutes, 10 seconds. That wasn't particularly dense, but it was just okay.
0: It was all right. Jesse and Tony go to Ric Flair, who's backstage with his security. You see, you see, I was like, "What the hell's going on?" Because you see, one of the security kind of like coming in towards the shot because Missy Hyatt comes in and tries to get. She's still trying to get the interview with Rick, but they basically just nope, right? They nope her right out of the shot. So we go into uh, the first tag match of the night. This one actually went longer than I thought it did. Uh, it, it went in long. Excuse me, went in longer than I thought it would. Was flying Brian and Sunning Steve Austin versus Johnny Gunn and the Z-Man? I feel like we've had this a lot recently. We have, but uh, they're basically like I said, Pillman and Austin are basically the Hollywood blondes, all in but names, and then they'll you know the eventual matching vests because they got the matching trunks. Austin's doing the little camera hand motion. They're basically the Hollywood blondes in all but names. Gotcha. And Zank and Pillman are gonna start off. They're just paintbrushing each other. And you learn there's only one way to to slap somebody across the face right when you do it in wrestling. And how is that? You slap him for real. Okay. There's no way to fake that. If you're going to slap somebody, just straight slap him. Gotcha. <laughs> That's the best way to do it. Just slap him in the face. Uh, Yeah, Gun gets a quick tag in, but Pillman takes over. He tags in Austin. Yeah, they're
1: slugging it out for quite a while after Austin comes in.
0: Oh, yeah. Gun's just raining fists down on Austin. He goes for a roll-up. Austin does kick out. Uh, Austin does go for a vertical suplex, but Gun counters that with a front suplex and an Oklahoma roll for another close count before taking in Zank. Mm-hmm. And uh, Zank, I, this is a spot I kind of like, where he looks like he's gonna just jump, fake out with the crossbody to get the other person to duck, and then once they look up, he'll he'll they'll do another move. And in this case, Zank hits a drop kick. Yeah, that looked good. Yeah, it's it's a I, I know Zank would do it a lot. There's a other couple people that would do it. They were kind of like fake out. They're gonna do the dive to get the other person to to dodge. Mm-hmm. And once they look up, they would hit another move. So Pillman does fake a knee injury to get uh, to hit Zank. And uh, he goes off the top, but Zank hits that that huge extension, you know, boot to the face. Yeah. That crazy extension he was always able to get. Mm. And the blondes powder out. We actually go to commercial on this. This is one of our first commercial breaks, or at least the first match with a commercial break. Mm-hmm. Gun and Zank come in and control. And they start doing some double-team moves, but they get caught in the heels corner. And Gun's in deep trouble. Austin takes over. Gun's in deep trouble. Oh, yeah, he's getting brutalized. Pillman comes in. Gun tries to fight him out of the corner. Austin tags in. Austin goes to lock in for a sleeper. Gun hits a jawbreaker. Try to get that uh, desperation tag. Pillman comes in, tries to land a cross body, but Gun ducks it, and Pillman eats shit. Mm-hmm. And Zank finally gets a hot tag. And I also noticed that if you watch the hard camera side, you know, the camera's facing the crowd. Mm hmm. And I like this, too. This was great. There was a crowd in about in the middle of the seats. There was a group of kids. They were like teenagers just absolutely cheering for everybody. Those guys were active the entire show.
1: I didn't notice them. I was I was super focused on the actual wrestling.
0: Oh, I noticed it. Like, when they were when Scorpio was out, they were going, whoop, there it is. Whoop, there it is. Like, they were active the whole show for everybody. There was a whole, like, a couple rows of them. It was awesome. Oh, actually, now you mentioned the,
1: the whoop, there it is. I... I heard them at some point doing "We Will Rock You."
0: That that too, like they were act, they were hot the entire show. It was like, in the way if you watch it again, they were kind of like in the middle, facing hard camera. Gotcha. So, anyways, uh, Zayn comes in, gets that hot tag, takes both of them out. So he's he's a house of fire. He goes to get an, he gets an O'Connor roll in on Austin while the rubs distracted. Pillman comes in, hits him from behind with Eric Pillman, mm-hmm. and Austin gets the pin on this.
1: Yeah, 10 minutes, 18 seconds there.
0: Great match. Oh, it was a good match. It was, as of right now, my match of the night. It was at least my favorite, at least for the night so far. Next match. Like I said, they they, they were hot and heavy. Like I said, we had 13 matches to go through tonight.
1: A lot of quick ones, but they all did what they needed to.
0: Yeah. We get the WCW Saturday Night debut of the British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith. Going up against Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker.
1: Match starts off with some collar and elbow tie-ups. Those are always fun to watch.
0: Yep, Parker gets the audio control, but Bulldog lands a hip toss, and uh, he goes. He gets an, also gets a cross body and uh, locks in an arm bar there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he he does get a boot in the corner roll up, and the spot you like where Bulldog just presses him right off of him. Yeah, and he gets that that massive delayed suplex that he was known for the the hanging vertical suplex. Hanging vertical, that's what I, it's called. Okay, or or delayed. I th- I think in WWF, I think he actually did this to Vader once. Oh wow. Like, yeah, he was when I say British Bulldog was strong, or he was able to at least get him up and hold him there for a second. He wasn't able to, you know, but the fact that you can at least do something similar to that to a guy like Vader. Right. You're strong. Corner clothesline, running power slam. Match is over. Three minutes, 33 seconds. Pretty good for that. Yeah, and then Tony comes out, he's gonna interview uh Bulldog, and pretty much it's the same message from Super Bowl. Yep, he's got him for Vader. Yeah, basically it's the exact same message. We get our next match. Marcus Alexander Bagwell versus Mike Thor. Uh, we get early control from Bagwell. Like I said, it's the basics. If you watch, he was doing a lot of the basic stuff. And once again, like I said, we learned this in wrestling school when I went through, and any good wrestling school I'll teach you. If you got the, you don't the basics, they ground the basics into you. Right. If you don't know the basics, there's no reason. There's no way you can do anything else.
1: Yeah. Sometimes the basics are all you need.
0: Yeah, and like I didn't. Oh God, my first one of the first moves I learned was a body slam and the vertical suplex. And I want to say that was five, six months into training. Oh wow. Well, we had training like multiple days a week, but I I know it was a few months in before I learned how to body slam and vertical suplex somebody because it's like drills, basics, drills, basics, drills, basics. Gotcha. Cause we're not gonna teach you the pretty stuff if you can't if you don't know how to bump, we're not gonna teach you how to do suplexes.
1: Right. You need the basics first, then you do the fancy stuff.
0: Yeah, like the chain wrestling. Like, I did the Arm Ringer hundreds of times. You know, the classic armringer, Ringer hammerlock. I did that stuff hundreds of times before I even breathed a body slam. Right. So, basics, 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 basics. Thor powders out. The will brings him in from the apron the hard way. Kind of just momentum pulls the rope and just flips him back in. Mm-hmm. Uh Gets that grounded hammerlock. You know, keep him on the mat. Thor goes for like a flying butt bump, but Bagwell retaliates with a crossbody. Gets a two count out of that one. Thor actually goes for a body slam, but misses a top rope splash. Bagwell slam clothesline hits the fisherman suplex and a win. Three minutes, thirty seconds. Again, quick but good. Uh huh. Did its job. Got Bagwell over. You know, Mike Thor did what he needed to do. So uh, Tony's out again with an interview with Ric Flair. Obviously. WCW at the time they were recording these at Center Stage in Atlanta, so uh yeah, anywhere in the South if you have Ric Flair come out you're going to get the reaction and he got the reaction. Mm-hmm. Missy comes out at the start and, and this kind of I got a sneaker at this Missy again comes out from the start but the the uh, security just stops her and I kind of sneakered at this a little bit.
1: Yeah, I saw that was kind of funny.
0: Yeah, uh, Flair talks about being ready to come back. He's ready to come back and when he's when he'll let you know when he's he's good and ready. Because a lot of times, and I don't know if you noticed this, especially like the TV wrestlers, when they come, when they leave, especially WWF, I'm not sure about other companies, but I know for a fact, WWF has a 90-day no-compete no clause. Yeah, I've heard a lot
1: about that recently with all the wrestlers they've let go.
0: Yeah, like you're not allowed to compete anywhere else for 90 days. You still get paid, but you can't leave. Right. And this is basically how they they kind of introduced him so Flair couldn't get in the ring yet, so they would introduce him like this. And for a while he would have an interview segment called Flare for the Gold. Gotcha. Which is how we got the Shockmaster, which is this year. So we'll get into that. I'm excited about that. But basically some of the uh, it's great flare shtick. He hits all his the flare notes, he has the lines, he has everything. This is a classic flare promo. It hits all the notes. But specifically he calls out Barry Windom, Dustin Rhodes, and Vader. Basically he's like, if you have a belt, I'm su- people with belts be careful. Right. Uh, so we go into our next match: Max Payne versus TC Carter. Max Payne got nice height, given that back body drop. There was some nice height.
1: Yeah, I saw that. That
0: was very nice. Good air, because that's another. That's another move that both people work on. That was another move that I learned how to do, and it's something that the guy's lifting you up, but you're basically flipping yourself over. So that's a good move for both of them. Gotcha. And uh, also landing a huge suplex. Big body slam for Max Payne, softens the arm, shoulder breaker. He drives Carter's shoulder into the corner a couple times, locks in the painkiller for the win.
1: That took two minutes and 12 seconds, after which we have Tony Schiavone interviewing Max Payne. Uh
0: Uh-huh. He basically, Max Payne surprisingly calls out Ric Flair. Yeah, like, what about me? You talked about them. What about me? Yeah, I was like, I'm ballsy on you, homie. But, hey, you do you, boo-boo. Got to get your, hey, maximize your minutes. Right. Uh, And we get... Uh, The Natural, Dustin Rhodes, huge fan of here on the show, mm-hmm. versus Wild Bill Irwin, and Irwin's a little bit controlled, but Rhodes levels him with that famous clothesline of his, and we see that Paul Orndorff actually comes out to the announcer table in his robe, and basically he's trying to insert himself as the, the next in line for a U.S. title shot. Right. Uh, nice take. Rhodes got this nice slick looking takeover before Irwin hits a side slam, and they go back and forth, and Rhodes goes for this cool looking. Kind of like a different version of bulldog, he kind of leaps with it. It looked a little like a sling blade to me. Almost a little bit without the spin, but Irwin landed weird a little bit. You can tell Irwin kind of almost like he kind of slipped a little, slipped out of the the hold a little bit. Mm-hmm. I did see that. It landed weird. It landed weird, but obviously that was the finish. Three bulldog, three count, matches over.
1: Yeah, three minutes and one second. Not a lot happened there, but it got Dustin over, so that's what we needed.
0: Yeah, Nordorf basically calls like I said. Orndorf's going to call out Rose for title shot. Rose is like, "Hey, I'm here." You know, he's a fire champion. He'll take on anybody. Right. We get the DNA podcast debut of Van Hammer. Uh, they're still talking about his arm wrestling tournament. They're, they're still working on that storyline with him and Big uh, uh, Vinny Vegas. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that turns out. Van Hammer lands a couple body slams. Baker powders out. He gets back in. Hammer gets a double underhook suplex and a weird dropkick that didn't look like he got much air on it. It landed weird. Yeah. Like, he got maybe up to the guy's hip. uh. So, Baker powders out again. When he gets back in, Hammer drops him and drops Hammer with a suplex. He, it looks like this was really weird. Like, this match did not work. Like, Baker looked like he was trying to give a kick. And somebody messed up something w- somewhere because it looked weird. Like, they just got confused what they were supposed to do. Yeah, something, something was screwy about this match. So, Hammer answers with a clothesline back suplex. He hits his finisher with a rebound suplex, and the match is over.
1: Yeah, that one's three minutes, 23 seconds. This one wasn't that good.
0: Yeah, no, this might be the my least favorite match of the entire episode.
1: I th- I'm going to agree with you on that, at least at this point.
0: So we go to another tag team match. It is Vinny Vegas and Big Sky versus T.C. McCoy and Terry Ta- Travis. And if Big Sky looks familiar, this is where our pop culture comes into play. That is actor Tyler Maine, who uh, wrestled for a short time at WCW.
1: The name sounds familiar, but I can't remember anything
0: he's done. If the name sounds familiar, he was Sabretooth in the original X-Men trilogy. That's what he was most known for. Oh, neat. He's done, you know, I mean, he's acted in other stuff, but most people are going to recognize the name as he was Sabretooth. Gotcha. So if you've seen at least X-Men, or at least the first three X-Men movies. The Fox ones. That's Tyler. Yeah, that's Tyler Maine. Gotcha. Actually, no, Fox did all the... uh, X Men movies all the way through. Oh, right, right. Yeah. But at least the original trilogy. Yes, gotcha. He was Sabretooth. Anyways, so Vegas, he gets full control early. But we're going to, this is the first time we've seen Big Sky. This is the first time I remember watching him, period. Mm-hmm. But uh, Big Sky comes in. He looks to shove McCoy in the corner. But I don't know if it was momentum or somebody tripped, but McCoy just kind of stumbles out of it.
1: Yeah, it looked like he was forcing McCoy to tag Travis in.
0: A little bit, but it looked like somebody, somebody stumbled somewhere. But uh, Sky answers with a huge clothesline. Travis does tag in, but he eats a huge choke slam. Vinny tags in, hits a clothesline. Travis or uh Sky comes in, hits Travis with another you know, huge slam or small and a small drop. Mm-hmm. Vegas comes in, snake eyes, matches over.
1: Yeah, four minutes 32 seconds. This was also underwhelming.
0: It but it was it wasn't bad. Some of the other besides some of the other tag matches, this was not there, but it wasn't awful. No.
1: Like I said, just underwhelming.
0: And uh, we get into the next match. We're on match 11, by the way. Wow. Th- th- yeah. The Barbarian versus Rip Rogers. I loved this match. This was great. This was funny. I snickered a few times because Roger Rip Rogers goes in for a handshake, but Barbarian just crushes his hand. And Barbarian just, just goozles him or gets with a headlock, crushes crushes him. Rip Rogers was selling his ass off this whole thing.
1: Yeah, he was really making Barbarian look strong.
0: Yeah, this, like I said, Rip Rogers has trained a lot of people on t- that are on TV now. So this is and and like this is where you, when you know your role in a match. Like every time he would do something, it would just be like he got shot. It was I had a blast watching this match. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was fun. It was fun. Uh, there was a massive clothesline Barbarian about partway through, but like absolutely nothing Rip Rogers was doing was phasing the Barbarian at all.
1: Yeah, he was just, he was trying his hard out and it just wasn't working.
0: And every time Barbarian would hit him, he'd sell it like death. It was great. Yeah. And Barbarian, basically, this was the whole thing, the whole match, but Barbarian would hit a huge boot for the win.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that match took five minutes and 33 seconds.
0: And it was awesome. It was. This is where, and we've talked about, like, a big example of this is this past year, this most recent WrestleMania this year, where you had Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn. And they did a lot of jackass shtick. They even had Wee Man body slam Sami Zayn at one point. For a match, does a match quality like this was a, this was a squash match? Yes, but it was a blast to watch because if you're having fun watching the match, sometimes you can get past the whole. There's not a lot of wrestling, or the wrestling may not be more than wrestling may not be the greatest. But if you're having a blast watching the match, that's all that matters.
1: Yeah, sometimes you can turn your brain off and just enjoy the spectacle.
0: Because you can have a good three, four star match with not great wrestling, but if the story's there or it's super funny, that it's funny when it makes sense or the story's there. Right, right. You're good. Not every wrestling, not every match has to be a clinic. Gotcha. We go to our next, our penultimate match of the evening, a tag team match of Steve Regal and Eric Watts versus Bob Cook and Chris Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Which anytime Steve slash William Regal's on TV, you know I'm happy. He's in my Mount Rushmore, so we've already established this. So he's early control. He basically both he's taking on both members. He's taken over control pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh Uh, watch tags in, and oh my God, the booze and Eric sucks chants were loud today.
1: Yeah, the crowd soured immediately.
0: Yes, like the 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 whole Eric Watts experiment is dunzo. This is, where, this is why nepotism does not work. I think he was continuing to improve in this match, but he still wasn't where he needed to be. His, like I said, we try not to talk ill about people too much. Right. Except Rob Bartlett. The thing is with this, with, where his ability was at at that point, he should not have been on television, at, or at least television at that level with his ability he had at the time. Agreed. This is why nepotism rarely works in wrestling. Right. So anyways... He had some basic arm drags, arm bars, you know, the real basic stuff before tagging back in Regal. Watch gets tagged back in. He goes to do a monkey flip but it's blocked and Sullivan tags in and uh Regal is quickly tagged in. He's starting to throw some some nice stiff kicks on both men in the corner. Yeah. Before Sullivan can take over. And I noticed this when Bob Cook came back in. Bob Cook is gassed so bad. Like it is obvious And when you see some when they're huffing and puffing and trying to trying their hardest, when you're basically part of it can be out of shape, part of it can be lack of cardio. But when you it's when you when you're huffing and puffing and breathing like that that early you're gassed. Mm -hmm. And this was not a this was not a long match, and he's gassed already. But he gets a shoulder block and a two count. He actually has control of Regal surprisingly for more than a moment. Watch gets tagged in again, more boos, and they actually start a daddy boys chant. They start chanting Daddy's boy. hmm Like I said, you know, the experiment's done. This is a failure. Yeah. Um, but Cook and Sullivan, they're able to get a double clothesline on him, but he's able to fight back Eric Wadslock's in the STF on Sullivan for the win.
1: Yep. Nine minutes, eight seconds. It wasn't a bad match. Eric's trying, bless his heart, but he he just he can't get there. He's
0: not he's not where he needs to be. It wasn't a bad match, but it's hard to watch him at this point.
1: It was an okay match, in spite of Eric.
0: Basically, so basically, so we uh, Tony's going over the tournament, the tournament brackets for the TV title. They uh, the TV title was gone for a while. They're bringing it back in this tournament. So they're showing some of the clip, the brackets, some of the clips of the most recent matches for the tournament. Mm-hmm. And we come back from commercial, and we get a returning Arn Anderson, who we have not seen on television since the start of this podcast, because this all goes over the attack with. Against Eric Watts. Right. He said all the, the Arn with the apathy is gone. And all the returns and all the new title holders is getting him fired up. And he's ready to fight Eric Watts again. It's basically, he still he wants Eric Watts still. We're still continuing that feud. But unfortunately, Arn gets a cramp in his hand. And it's really weird that he had a cramp in his hand that all of a sudden he started showing four fingers. Yeah, I noticed that. They're bringing back the four horsemen. Oh, that's what that was a reference to. It's in. the four horsemen. Like anytime you get like an Arn or Arn Anderson or Ric Flair, they show up the four fingers. That's the four horsemen. You can never not get excited when you see the four horsemen.
1: Gotcha. I didn't realize that was a, that was a, like a hand signal.
0: That, that was the four. That's whenever you see him throw up the four fingers, it's the four horsemen. Okay. I'm excited. It's the four horsemen are coming back. Woo. Speaking of horsemen, one, we're in the last match of the episode, of this episode and ours. It is former four horsemen, Barry Windham, who is the NWA world champion after beating Great Muda, going up against Brad Armstrong, former light heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. Armstrong does have early control on Windham, doing what he does. He's very quick, so he does what he needs to do. Uh, Wyndham's able to fight out of a headlock and land a back suplex. Mm-hmm. And he actually lands another one after picking up Armstrong in the position for it and just walks around with a little bit before dropping him.
1: Yeah, that was that was impressive.
0: That, he, he cracked him with the right hand and got a nasty, there was a nasty snap on that right hand. hmm And we start getting a We Want Flare chant. Wyndham was all over Brad Armstrong. He gets, he's able to fight back with a back body drop, but Wyndham gets right back into control. hmm Armstrong uh, gets out of the ring. He's able to fight back into the ring, but he eats an atomic drop. And a clothesline.
1: Yeah, that looks painful.
0: And then Wyndham with a knee drop right to the point of the forehead. Ow! Armstrong does land a desperation Face Buster, and he goes for his finisher, the Russian leg sweep. But Wyndham blocks it and lands the implant DDT and gets the win.
1: Seven minutes, eighteen seconds. That was another good match.
0: Yeah, it was a good match. I didn't have I had no problem with this one. One last interview with Tony Schiavone. He's got Vader and Harley Race comes out, and he says he stayed after beating Sting with that awesome strap match. From Super Bowl, great match.
1: Yeah, that, that that match was amazing.
0: Yeah, he's talking about how he's still here. Vader's still staying dominant. He's taking on anybody. Specifically mentions not only Davey Boy Smith, but uh, Ric Flair. Oh, yeah. And we that's how we close out the show. Decent show. Honestly, the only match that I thought was bleh was the Van Hammer match.
1: Yeah, that was... I, I can't put my finger on what was wrong with it.
0: There was way too many botches. There was, there was a lot of miscommunication with that one. Okay. Uh, my favorite match of this show was uh, the Hollywood Blondes versus Johnny Gunn and Z Man.
1: I think my favorite is gonna be the Armstrong
0: win. Him. Okay, yeah, a very valid choice. Uh, match of the match of the episode. What's your match overall? I think that's still my favorite overall. Okay, and I kind of want to. I it's it's still one A one B with me between Pillman and Austin, and then the six man tag from Raw. Yeah,
1: the 6 man tag from Rob would be my honorable mention.
0: Yeah, only because I'm a big, you know, the Beverly boy, Beverly Brothers. Excuse me, were kind of underrated as the one of the lower card tag teams. Mm-hmm. But the other four men in the ring, other four men there, I was huge fans of at one point in my life. Gotcha. So that is it for episode fifteen. Fifteen, I know numbers. Episode fifteen. Thank you, everybody. Next week is our attractions episode. We are doing our first drama TV show. And we were originally going to do this for one episode, then we realized the work that goes to put into it because we try to give you takes and trivia. We don't want to just gloss over stuff for you guys. That's not what we do here. So we've decided, because once again, we're learning as we go along. We had no idea, honestly, had no idea what we we're doing when we hit play the first time. Right. We're learning as we go. So for all dramas, we're actually going to split up into two episodes, so each drama is going to get two episodes. We are doing Season 1, Part 1 of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We're basically going through the first ten episodes, which is exciting.
1: As I've said, this is the Star Trek that I'm the least familiar with from the classic shows, but and I'm very much looking forward to talking about it.
0: Same. Like, again, And you know Star Trek way more than I do, so I may have to acquiesce to you at some points throughout the uh, viewing experience. I'll be more than happy to guide if I must. There you go. And then after that, we are going to go into the week of March 1st, 1993. The 1st of March, we're going to hit uh, Monday Night Raw and then the following WCW Saturday night. So you can find the podcast on Twitter at Capital D and Capital A Podcast 1. We are on Spotify, Stitcher. Apple Podcasts. We're also, if you guys do use good pods, please follow us there. Like, share, subscribe. Five stars, two thumbs up, whatever you need to do, show the love on the podcast. That's how we get that's how we work through the murkiness that is an online algorithm.
1: All the engagement you give us is what tells the, the sites that we're worth promoting.
0: Yeah, and anybody that's been on online for more than two seconds knows algorithms are impossible to figure out. So, you can find me on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, godly goodness, most social media websites at Xander Invictus. And I can be found on most socials at BigBot. So, thank you very much, everybody, and we will see you next week for the first half of season one of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Take care.